Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to Yelai, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Nitin Gupta, who is the founder of Sapert Media, uh, which is a full stack ad tech platform offering a three sixty degree digital marketing. Hi Nitin, welcome to Yelai. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So, uh, Nitin, I would request you to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a bit of, about your pre-entrepreneurial journey, like where uh, were you born and brought up, where did you study, which all companies did you work for before starting your entrepreneurial journey, and what were some of the you know uh, events in your life that that tells us that you it was entrepreneurship that uh, you were headed uh, throughout your life. So, uh, hello everyone. I am Nitin Gupta. I am the founder and CEO of Zapads Media. So, Zapads is a full stack advertisement technology company. So, basically, what we do, if I talk about the layman term, so you see advertisements across websites, mobile applications, and OEM devices. So, we are India's one of the biggest company who provide the technology to the brands and advertisers to run those advertisements. So, we work as a technology company into the advertisement space, majorly into the digital advertisement space. So we cover, uh, so when we say that we cover, you know, full stack or 360 degree solutions, so that means we cover end-to-end digital marketing solutions. So uh, you might have, you know, advertisements on the websites like Times of India or any bigger portal. You might have, you know, advertisements on mobile applications, all the leading mobile applications from India and the world work with us. So right now we work with around 75,000 uh, plus publishers that covers your mobile applications and websites. We work a lot with the OEM uh, partners. When I talk about OEM, they are the original equipment manufacturers, uh, the company who produces the uh, smartphones. So companies like Xiaomi, Samsung, uh, Vivo, Oppo, Kranjian, all of these are our vendors and we run the advertisements over there. Mm-hmm. So that's about the business model that we do. We also do a lot on the connected TV space. Right? More and more people are now using smart TV instead of the traditional cable, uh, right? So we uh, work a lot with the publishers into that particular space and we run our advertisements on the connected TV devices. Also. Right. So that's about what we do as a company. How it started up, so to be very honest, uh, you know, when you talk about the entrepreneurship world, you might have seen that most of the entrepreneurs, they rather, you know, just, uh, you know, landed just out of their school or colleges. So I had a similar journey to be very honest with you. So I came from a very, very humble family and we can say that from a lower middle income class background. So my father was not keeping well since I was in like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, so at, at that point of time, like, you know, I understood the value of money to be very honest because, you know, he was hospitalized for almost half a year, give or take. Right. So most of the savings that we have or the earnings that we had was going to the hospitals and everything. So I understood the value of money. And uh, since like you know, I was in ninth or tenth grade, I started like, you know, making money of my own. I started doing, you know, some small time work. Like, you know, I used to do a lot of tuitions, coachings and everything and start making money, at least to support myself. So I don't have to ask for money for my personal thing from my parents. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how it all started. Uh, so throughout my engineering, I did my BTEC in information technology from Interprista University. So throughout the four years of the college, I had like the minimum possible attendance in the college, to be honest, because I was juggling between like, you know, coaching and everything and making money. 
in during that time like you know uh, the internet was pretty new so i'm talking about way back in 2002 2004 right so at that point of time the internet was a new thing and you know all of us were getting the desktops and the internet connection at home and at that time like you know we used to have dial up not even a good internet connection so mm. that's when i started learning you know uh, the basics of web design web development so not the html thing but more towards the server side of things like the php as a language so i started working uh, when i started working as a freelancer in 2002 for the clients in us uk western europe majorly started building the uh, web applications so i was not like you know working on the websites as standard ones i was more like you know behind the curtain guy how the website actually works like you know the cms and everything so i learned that myself started doing that and by god grace by the time you know i was getting out of the college i was doing pretty decent i was making around uh, 30 35000 rupees per month and in 2004 that was actually the salary of an untrained person into the it world so right. if i you know complete my education i go for a job in infosys or tcs i was getting a package of around 2.5 lakh rupees a year or something like that but uh, you know just working freelance i was making more than that so i had a group of my friends who are my childhood friends so we know each other since i was in nursery you know, living in the same area studying in the same school and all so i told them about the idea that yeah, let's build our own let's start you know i know the skill i'll teach you the skill let's start working on this particular segment and make a small company out of that so in 2004 when we started up entrepreneurship was not even a word to be honest in india especially because not many entrepreneurs were there there was no term like startup at that point of time it was right. like you know let's build a business from scratch and none of us had any prior experience into the professional world so we had never worked in a company let alone by building a one right but the idea was clean okay let's do this we'll be able to do that let's start that mm-hmm. so uh, you know a couple of us we started working online starting getting the projects and everything it took off so earlier my family was not willing to let me uh, go that way because like you know salary is like a standard good thing for a middle class family just mm-hmm. uh, like you know regular income that you get but i say look okay, give me one year uh, if i am not able to you know succeed in one year then i'll you know cut down from there i'll go back to whatever you want me to do but i know that was one very important year of my life so we worked very hard during that period and within the first year uh, we were like six guys when we started up within the first year we were able to scale the team to 20 uh everyone was getting salary on a monthly basis my family was pretty happy as well and like you know you so talk about grad startup so our ours was like you know what to call a temporary room startup so mm. in my house so there was a vacant room at the terrace right so we used that room as our startup that's where we built we had a team of 20 plus and then we took our first formal office in 2000 uh, early 2006 from there the things started growing till 2008 2009 we had a team of around 200 people at that point of time and we were doing pretty good with the software development and all that stuff but uh, during that time the recession happened uh, and it was pretty bad for us to be honest because most of the clients what we saw that they started spending the money on uh, you know mobile applications or software development or anything they were just waiting the recession to pass before investing more into the technology 
we were a team of 200 plus people and there's not enough margins in like you know body sourcing business so we were sustaining as much as we can but then another you know we wanted to pivot from there so the idea of advertisement technology came to us that while people are not spending right now on technology they are still spending money on advertisements mm. so i thought okay let's let's do that right so we had the team so i started that again we built our own software uh, our own technology for advertisement survey and everything and we were the first company in india to build that back then everyone was using uh, these technologies from some other company we built our own technology and that picked up over the next couple of years by the end of 2009 so rapads was doing more than like you know they were having we were like four or five guys they were doing more revenue than a team of 200 plus of software development so uh, that's where the pivot actually happened so that was one of the most difficult period of our life because on one hand we have a team of 200 people who are you know generating revenue for you and there's another team of just five or six people who are making equivalent revenue for you and a higher margins mm. so that's when like you know pivoted we stopped working on that software development part we moved to zap and started building the technology from there right now we are uh, a team of 200 plus again we are spread across uh, seven countries eight countries rather with 11 offices globally so the biggest one we have like four offices in india the headquarters is in noida from there we have offices in singapore in dubai in jakarta uh, in southeast asia then we have one in russia moscow so russia is one of the biggest market for us right now then we have offices in london we have offices in new york uh we have team on ground across these offices and that's how we are growing up right now mm. in our segment we are actually india's second biggest company at this particular time got it wow that that's a uh, such a interesting journey uh tell us a bit about uh about the problem statement that you are catering to right now so i did some research around uh, the ad tech space and i uh, the way mm. i understand is uh there are some players at the buy side who buy media uh, mm-hmm. uh, and there are some 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 at the sell side who sell uh, media exactly. uh, so exactly. and there are some some at the middle who who do kind of bidding and all so which exactly. ca- category do you fall into and oh. you know tell us a bit about the space and where sure, exactly sure. you kind of add value so yeah uh, so i tell you what happens in the digital advertisement right now so there is a buy side which we call the dsp the demand side which works with the clients the clients can be advertisers like you know your unilever or maruti or mercedes or buy juice be it beat anyone right and then there is a sales side who work with the publishers publishers can be your websites or mobile applications say mx player or share chat or daily hunt or times of it right so what happens is on the sales side the ssps they aggregate all the publishers which we call inventory and the demand side the dsps they aggregate all the demand right and then they work they make a collection in between right and uh, they these guys the supply guys sell the traffic demand guys buy the traffic by the ad impressions basically mm. so this is how the industry works generally what we did was first of all we were the first company to build our own programmatic technology uh, what we call programmatic is like you know we do a thing called real time bidding mm-hmm. so you might have seen auctions happening right you know people you know a bid on the right. artifacts or you know the uh, pictures or something like that right and the highest bidder won that particular got a chance to buy that particular artifact right so we built a similar technology for the uh, ad impressions mm-hmm. 
So how we work is we built our own DMP, which is called a data management platform. Right now, we reach out to 1.7 billion people globally. So basically, around 16% of the world population, we have the data set around them, about their likes, about their dislikes, about their behaviors, interests, demographics, and all that. So what we do, we use that data. On the basis of that data, we tell the advertisers, okay, there is a particular user who, as per our data, is a male between this age group, uh, works in same media segment, makes X amount of money, have a credit card, generally watches BFSI segment of websites, generally shops on Amazon. So like, so it's a long list of data sets that we do. Mm. And on the basis of that, uh, we give the information to advertisers. Everything happens anonymously. Everything happens via your device IDs and everything. But no one knows actually what's happening. So on the basis of that, they show the ads to you. So you nowadays, you see more of a targeted ads, right? So if you go to random websites, you see more of the targeted ads, ads for your liking. So, right? so that's where the technology comes from. So we build the technology end to end. And I'm very honored to tell you that we are the only company that has built a complete stack of technology. So we are not only a demand side, we are not only the supply side, we are not only the data side. Right? We have built everything on our own. We have our own AI technology as well. Mm-hmm. So we control the end-to-end funnel. So I work as like, you know, demand and supply everything. So this is what we call a SPO or a supply path optimization. What we want our advertisers that we are the one-stop shop for all your digital advertisement needs. You don't have to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? We offer all the different services to you. We offer all the different set of publishers to you. And we are the shortest link between you and the publishers. Because the more number of people in the chain, the more the price. So, uh, like, you know, if the publisher X is selling the traffic at 100 rupees, there's another one in between the buy they keep their 20% margin, then there's another one who keeps 20% margin. So ultimately, the client is paying 200 rupees and 100 rupees are being taken care of by the middleman only. Mm. So what we do, we remove all the middlemen from the picture. We connect the advertisers directly with the publishers. We give them our data intelligence. We give them the AI technology solutions so they are able to like you know run highly performing campaigns throughout our platform. Mm. Speaking of AI, can you tell us how does, what sort of AI uh, algorithms are in place? How do they help uh, in this whole uh, operation? So uh, in AI, like, you know, we work on a thing called predictive algorithm. So when you build the data, right? So data is something that is huge. Like, you know, we have zillions of terabytes of data right now with us. Because, you know, if we are reaching out to 1.7 billion people globally, they keep on, you know, going to internet on the random websites, on the mobile applications, really keep on generating huge amount of data, right? So it becomes very difficult to keep a track of the data. So RAI works in two parts. On the first part, whenever, you know, a particular user is going through different set of websites or mobile applications, we build the data and AI is able to make the information out of that data. Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, you might be going to, uh, say, Flipkart, right? But our AI is able to figure out that you are just going over there by mistake or, you know, just to shop or actually to buy. Right. So that's like one filtration of data that helps us in getting the information. Secondly, what we do is once we have the data sets, right. So say uh, like there's a campaign for uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon works with us right now and Amazon wants to promote their particular products, a set of products. So what we can do is like, you know, we can figure out the users or AI can figure out the users who are actually interested into uh, e-commerce 
who are a regular e-commerce shopper but don't actively use Amazon. Mm-hmm. So they might be using some uh, other e-commerce platform, right? So our AI is able to figure that out. And on the basis of that, instead of exposing the ad creative to like, you know, hundreds and thousands of the users, we only expose the creative to the, those set of people who are interested into e-commerce, who are actually buying from uh, some other platform, not using Amazon. So that helps us in getting a higher conversion rate. So all of that is done via our AI technology. Got it. Uh, also curious to understand how do you acquire uh, uh, both buyers and sellers of uh, advertisements? Uh, how so do you partner? We have a team on ground. Uh, so yeah, so we have a team on ground. So right now we have a team of around fifty plus salespeople who are spread across the multiple offices. So we have a team on ground who keep on meeting the clients, the agencies, the brands directly, getting us the required demand. Uh, we have our own self-serve platform as well, which is called a SaaS-based model, but for the advertisement technology. Uh, and from there, we get the clients as well via Google Ads and everything. But majority of the revenue and the business comes to us directly. Uh, being one of the leaders in our segment, clients reach out to us directly, agencies reach out to us directly to run their ad campaigns. So that's how the sales cycle works. On the publisher front, again, like being one of the leaders in the industry, majorly the publishers reach out to us directly. But again, we have a team of 30, 35 odd guys who actually reach out to those publishers for the website, mobile applications, and onboard them to our platform. Hmm. So, uh, like you mentioned, Zapads operates in uh, probably 20 plus countries. Uh, cool. And uh, every country has their own uh, cultural, regulatory, and market differences. And yeah, uh, yeah. for example, Europe has GDPR, and that affects exactly. uh, how exactly. you show advertisements. So, how do you mm-hmm. navigate through these diverse landscapes, and what are some of the key challenges that you face uh, once in a while? So, uh, so that is one learning that we had in our career. So when we were starting in India, we were doing pretty good in India. And the idea came, let's, you know, spread across different regions. So we started an office in Dubai. We registered in Dubai. We hired a particular person in Dubai. And that person was from the Indian background. We uh, sent them to uh, UAE, Dubai. And, you know, started to try to basically make a business out of that. But that particular person, you know, being uh, born and brought up in India, right? They have a different cultural values. When they entered the UAE market, they were not able to do anything. So we actually based more than one year over there. Mm-hmm. And that's when the learning comes that, you know, when you are working into different geographical locations, you need to adhere to their cultural differences. You need to adhere to their culture, how they actually work. So that's when we started hiring the locals over there. So if I talk about MENA right now in uh, Middle Eastern markets, uh, while our country head is an Indian, but he is in Dubai for a long time, and all the team under him is actually the locals, the Arabs. Similarly, our team in Singapore and Indonesia are natives over there, so native Singaporeans and native Indonesians. In Russia, we have a uh, second biggest team in Indonesia, uh, in Russia right now. We have a team of around 15, 17 people over there. All of them are the native Russians. Mm-hmm. For the UK market, we have the born and bought a British person who works there. Similarly, for the US market. So how it affects is like, you know, once you are working with a particular local person of that geographic market, they understand the culture and the market better, mm-hmm. right? The way how you talk to the people, to the brands, to the agencies, to the clients, it matters a lot. 
And that's world learning that we got early when we were expanding. So now we don't say that Zappaz is an Indian company when we're working abroad. We say that we are a global company with offices across multiple regions with headquarters in India. So that gives a distinction, right? If I'm going in UK, right, I was in London a couple of weeks back. So I was there for two weeks and we did around 30-35 meetings across the clients and agencies. Mm-hmm. In everywhere, we were you know, pitching ourselves that, yes, we are a company coming out of India, but we are a multicultural, multilingual, and a global company. Mm. So you will be on a day-to-day basis, you will be working with a local who is present in London and Manchester. Mm. Right. So that differentiates, that really helps in scaling and expanding to the different markets. Got it. Uh Another question that comes to mind is, uh, in fact, most of the advertisement companies, uh, uh, ventures that operate in the advertisement space are concerned about mm-hmm. the rise of data privacy con- concerns. Yeah, yeah. The exactly. OEMs are blocking advertisements, uh, tracking exactly. of data, exactly. cookies. Yeah. So future is cookie-less. So how do you, exactly. you know, uh, see foresee the future and how are you as a company so, planning to navigate through? So, uh, so we, as I mentioned in the start, we're a technology company. Advertisement comes on top of that, but the core of our business is technology. So when the GDPR came up, right, you know, we were pretty upset about like how the things are changing, but we wanted to be ready. We wanted to be ahead of the curve. And we were very, we were one of the very few companies who were actually the GDPR ready as soon as GDPR was in the market. Right now, we are 100% GDPR compliant. So all the data sets that we build are as per the GDPR policies. So what we understood, like, you know, every country have a different set of privacy policies, data policies, how they want companies like us to operate. The most difficult one is the GDPR. So what we did, we became GDPR compliant, end-to-end. And how that helped us, wherever we are in any particular country, we are compliant as per their laws. Further, we have a you know set of active legal machinery on payroll who actually keeps on tracking the different changes in the data privacy and the privacy policy activities. And we keep on updating ourselves tec- uh, both technically and legally to be as per uh, the complete compliance. Talking about the cookie-less future, so that's one of the interesting part. Like, you know, a lot of businesses are, you know, having a thought about how to work that out. We as a company, we have already worked a lot on that uh, front. And the best part is, like, you know, as I mentioned, we work with the OEM partners. We work with the OEMs like Xiaomi, Oppo, Vivo, and all that. And Xiaomi, we are the core agency partner for Xiaomi. Mm-hmm. Xiaomi have only five uh, agency partners throughout the world. We are one of them. And we have the exclusive mandate to run the ad campaigns on Xiaomi devices in India, Southeast Asia, Russia, and CIS regions. They have also launched their smart TVs in US, UK, and the Europe market. They have, again, the exclusive mandate to render advertisements in US, UK, and the Europe. Now, how it helps is when you are using a particular mobile phone or anything like, you know, you build a lot of data. While you live on a particular website or mobile application for a small point of time, you spend a lot of time on your mobile phone. That helps in building the data. And when any particular person buys a new mobile phone, they, you know, just keep uh, going through, no one needs a data policies or anything like that on uh, their mobile phone. But with working with the OEMs, they have a leverage that they have access to so much amount of data and all the users have already given consent to them to use that data. 
Now, being the core agency partners, that helps us a lot even in the cookie-less future. Got it. We have also worked out the technology called uh, UEN, that we call the unique identification number. On the basis of that, we are matching the cookies with the mobile device IDs, and we store that as a unique identification number. And on the basis of that, we'll be able to do the targeting even after the cookie-less future. Hmm. So, uh, you started out uh, uh, with a software company. Uh, you were building CMS and uh, all the backend uh, web apps. Yeah. Uh, then you pivoted to uh, advertisements. Uh, what What about the future? Uh, any Any big plans for the future? Any Any new ventures coming up or uh, so, any innovations in the current venture? So, to be honest, like you know. Innovations keep coming on a daily basis, to be honest. In this digital world, you see the changes happening after every couple of months. Something new is coming every couple of months, right? right. So what we want to do as a company, we want to be ahead of the curve. Hmm. Like, uh, just to give you an example, like, you know, if you talk about the UK market right now, the so UK market is way ahead of Indian market or Southeast Asian market at this point of time. So in UK, everyone is talking about carbon neutrality. So when you work as a technology company, you use servers, you have so much amount of laptops, computers, you have a team who keeps coming to the offices, you know, doing the carbon emission and everything. So now, uh, everyone in the UK and the Europe market, all the big brands, agencies, so the brands have a mandate that they want the UK and Europe to be completely carbon neutral by the end of 2030. So all the brands want that, you know, they're working in Europe, they want no carbon footprint over the next six or seven years. Mm -hmm. Now, when we work as a advertisement or technology partner, they expect the same from us, that we don't generate any carbon on their behalf. Right. Mm -hmm. So now, as a company, we are trying to understand what is our carbon footprint at this point of time. When we're working across multiple countries, multiple offices, how much carbon are we actually generating? Right, and how we can offset that. So now we are coming up with this strategy that we are offering across the markets. That okay, we know that Zappas as a company generate x some x ton of carbon per uh, say uh, CPM, like you know per thousand ad impressions. Right. So mm -hmm. if I am running an advertisement to you, this uh, and you spend hundred thousand dollars with me, this was the actual carbon emission that happened. This was the total amount. And we have tied up with the, some of the big uh, agencies that are verified by uh, United Nations who are working towards uh, you know, uh, putting more plants and everything for the carbon neutrality. And what we are doing actively is like, you know, we understand, okay, yes, I generated a carbon worth of say X metric ton in this particular mm -hmm. month. I pay those companies to put plants and trees on our behalf, right? So we actually become carbon neutral. Got it. Right. So this is one thing like, you know, that going to change the future, to be very honest with you, while everyone talks a lot about the AI and everything. But when you are living in a particular world, you need the world to be good. You need the oxygen, you need no pollution and everything. So how these brands are tackling that, you know, the climate change and carbon neutrality, it's pretty good. And how we can, you know, link that with our technology and advertisement company makes even more sense. Mm. Similarly, like, you know, there's a couple of new things coming up in the market like this another thing called uh what do you call attention so while you see the advertisements on your screen right anyone is able to track how much the ad was visible 
to say do have the ad was on the top four you say that it was 100% visible if the ad was you know a bit at the middle it was a 50% visible that's one part that is easily trackable but now what we are trying to do is we are trying to crack attention that yes the advertisement was there but actually the person saw it on what was the attention span of a particular person when seeing uh, that particular website they saw the advertisement or not Mm. So that's another big challenge, right? Because while everyone is running the advertisement, everyone is thinking that okay, our ads are so much viewable, but you actually don't know if anyone is seeing those ads or not, and you are the brands are just wasting their money, right? Yeah. So this is one technical uh, aspect that we are currently working on, and that actually helps the brand to understand okay, these are the ads that are actually working. Mm. There are a couple of other AI things that we are trying to do. Uh, we are also trying to work on the videos that will be artificially intelligent when running an ad campaign. Mm-hmm. So you might have seen a couple of ads already there in the market. So what we are trying to do is there will be one recording of an ad- advertisement uh, with some big brand ambassador. It will run onto the different regional segments, and uh, that particular brand ambassador will speak in that particular local language, while the recording happens in say English or Hindi. Mm-hmm. But when that ad ran on say Odisha, so it will run on your native language. When the ad ran in Karnataka, it will run on their native language, and the uh, the lip movement will be done accordingly. Mm. They'll be able to pick up the local slangs, everything out uh, AI. So this oh. is one another technology that we are trying to build. So so the future is like you know what a lot depends on AI, especially in our segment, how the things work out. how smart the machine learning works for everyone wow that sounds cool uh so uh i just have one more question then we will close the session yeah uh, tell us uh, all these years of entrepreneurship like two decades long uh, what did you learn about entrepreneurship like wh- how do you define or what is entrepreneurship what are the uh, what is the definition of entrepreneurship for you Oh, that's a difficult one, but to be honest, what I believe in personally, gone at the time of Lala based companies like you know there used to be a time when you know the founders used to came at build loan loan to the office, stay there for a couple of hours, left and you know the team is working there doing the magic for you. It doesn't work that now, right? I know that if I work fourteen hours a day, then I can expect my team to work twelve hours a day. Right. This is the hard truth because many many entrepreneurs after few years forget that that you know the whole reason of coming into the entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You won't believe like you know I'm still one of the first guys to enter the office. I'm like you know generally the office timings are flexible. You know we start anywhere between ten to eleven, but I try to be in office at around nine thirty. The office is end at around seven in the evening, but uh, it's already eight. I'm still here, but I'll be leaving around nine nine thirty. Right. So I am sure that I am spending a lot of time in the office. I am hustling a lot, right? Because if I work, then the team will pick up. But if I think like you know, I am just sitting there, no one will work. That's first right. point. Secondly, you have to be ahead of the curve. You have to be smart to manage. Like you know, having a two hundred person team, everyone is very smart now. It's very smart, and there are different segments in the company. There's an accounts. There's your sales. There's your business development. There's technology. There's operations. Right. There's different uh, sets. Company within a particular company, you need to know what's happening on the ground. 
you can't just have like a bird view picture okay now everything is doing good why you don't know shit about what's actually happening within your company right? mm. so what i learned like you know i never sit in a cabin i always try that i'm on the shop floor throughout my day so i have like you know this particular room which is generally used for the meetings and all but i generally sit outside with my team to understand what's happening on the ground level i try to keep myself updated with the technology the shift into the technology ai and everything so while there is a team of uh, you know technical developers who are actually building the technology but i i understand what's happening what needs to be built right so as an entrepreneur never think that you know if you have built a company if you have had a great start that's the end of the journey no you need to be with your team throughout the day you have to understand how the business works secondly i i like you know i put very very hard emphasis on profitability so we are a bootstrap entity uh, you you have not seen many companies who are bootstrap who are working from 20 years now who have like multi million dollar revenue who are the second biggest in their segment everyone is funded right now and the entrepreneurs most of the entrepreneurs nowadays they just want to raise the money try to grow fast and after a year or two they just you know end up losing everything what they are currently seeing the meltdown everywhere mm-hmm. right so when we started up for us generating profits was very important the business has to be sustainable right if you don't get the outside money you should be generating enough cash flows enough revenues to sustain your operations to sustain your cost mm-hmm. that's one thing that entrepreneurs should understand very quickly don't go for artificial money don't go for the vc money all the time try to build a sustainable business first if the business is generating the money the investors will follow you mm. so these are like a couple of key learnings that i have understood the last few years got it well uh, on this note we will uh, close the session thanks for joining us nitin and it was a pleasure to thank have you thank you so much thank you so much for having me thank you, thank you.